The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. If you'd like to call into our program today, use our toll-free number 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send an email, the address is leah at comebacktoyoursenses.com. Now, here's health and wellness specialist, Leah Brenda-Smith. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Leah Brenda-Smith, and thanks so much for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Radio Network. If you are looking for me on the net, you can find me at leahbrendasmith.com, on Facebook at Come Back to Your Senses Radio, or Leah Brenda-Smith. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can send that to leah at comebacktoyoursenses.com. Today's show, Snapshot Storytelling. Uh, It's become um, one of my my favorite topics lately. Actually, um, for almost a year now, I've been, actually every other week, I um, go to a, a little writer's group down the street. Um, at the Unitarian Church, and it's just been such a great experience. And it's through the process of we we go and we are given a prompt, we write for 15 minutes, and then we share what we've written out uh, amongst the group, and also there's the opportunity to get support from the other writers or bring other pieces that we might be working on or have written previously and read them out to the group. So through this, I've discovered this sort of snapshot storytelling, these brief little stories or what some people call um, uh, flash, flash storytelling, flash fiction. And some of the things that I write are fiction and some are uh, actually true stories or based on true stories. But really, no matter which way you turn it around, you know, our human psyche needs stories, And it doesn't matter if we're writing the stories, reading the stories, or just telling the stories. They can temporarily really remove us from the routines of our daily life, our daily schedule, and just give us a few moments of uh, really much-needed downtime. If we think historically, you know, the, the pictures, the writing on the wall, so to speak, inside the caves that we've either seen pictures of or heard about is probably the oldest kind of or form of storytelling. And then from that would be the oral storytelling. And, you know, so many of the teachings from from Native peoples uh, was initially and continues to be just passed on orally. There's lots of different traditions where they just pass the stories orally. There's great art in storytelling. And even um, 
uh, performing art and people that write pieces specifically to be read out loud. You know, we're all versed, everyone is versed with the experience of telling stories. Since we were born, we've been sharing our experiences through stories. We do it all the time throughout the day. Now, it's, sh- it's surely true. Some people have a gift for unwinding a story that's captivating for the listeners. You know, giving brief descriptions and relying on the listener to really fill in the blanks. Yet they're able to convey the emotions really explicitly. So they've really shared that human experience with you. And then, you know, there's other people that bog you down in what may seem like insignificant details, and they never really get to the heart of the matter. And then there's everything in between. Really, when it comes to reading, when you think of these tiny little episodes of life, They can be very refreshing when you don't have time to inhale a short story or even sink into a lengthy novel. These little snapshots or little vignettes are certainly, they're meant to entertain, yet they can also help to clear your mind of scattered debris or those disjointed thoughts. They can rev up your excitement. Bring out a laugh or two. I always love that when I read something and, and it has me laughing out loud. Or the kind of story that has you sitting on the edge, you're so intrigued. Other ones just kind of shock you senseless. And then there's the stories that just gently land you, if you like, in a field of peace. You know, that soft landing. <laughs> well, in whatever form we... We're certainly, we certainly appreciate that the written word has the power to transcend your current reality or at times even make your circumstances seem crystal clear. And in particular, this snapshot storytelling, this type of storytelling or approach to storytelling kind of places you in the middle of a scenario and then it peaks up your interest And then it can leave you reeling with a punchline at the end. And imagine it does all of that within five minutes. When our fast-paced, electronically charged world, you think of it, a little five-minute break into the world of a story can just be the right amount. The right amount of disengagement from one activity and engagement into another activity. And then really in a moment's notice, you're returned back to your original activity, often refreshed or enhanced in some way. And not only that, you think of it, all the electronic choices that you have, you can do all of this right in the palm of your hand. So there's certainly a lot of convenience to that. And just to be clear, you know, even though you may not be a writer or consider yourself to be a writer or think of yourself as a writer, anyone can really use a prompt and write for 10 or 15 minutes. And a prompt can be a a picture you see, an advertisement from a magazine, a a headline, a one-liner. It can be anything. 
And in a short period of time like that, you can really write about a cherished moment or a personal insight you might have had, or even a, something that might have been challenging for you. Something funny that happened, or even a trauma. The idea is to just start writing and get the sense of telling the tale with brevity. So it's a short piece. And what you want to do really is allow your subconscious mind to bring the pieces together for you. So whether your writing is fact or fiction, whether it's read or written, or it's just a story that you make up on the spot from something that happened to you, snapshot stories can breathe new life into you. And what I have found for myself is the idea of surrendering to the experience and just um, being open and starting to write. And just I just tend to focus on one word at a time, not necessarily creating a piece, not necessarily trying to piece something together that makes sense, but surrendering to the moment, to the words one at a time as they're coming into me. So I'm going to just share with you um, here a little uh, piece of fiction that I wrote in uh, one of these classes. And the prompt was a photo of a man sitting at a table playing checkers with a boy. And I've uh, titled it, He is, After All, Testing His Skills. The young boy thinks that innocent game of checkers is some kind of intelligence test a somewhat unorthodox and unusual way of measuring his mental prowess. However, this little scenario has been set up to gauge Philip's emotional intelligence quotient. As Philip ponders which of his shiny black pieces to move next, he begins to imagine the countless men, the young men that have sat in that chair before him. Truthfully, He is wondering if any of them felt as scrutinized as he does while Dr. Norton's cool, dark eyes gaze at him from below his furry, furrowed brow. This reminds Philip of the time when the society of young prodigies came calling the summer before his ninth birthday. Apparently it had something to do with a fancy project that was set up by a well-meaning philanthropic family in the community, you know, trying to do a good deed. In the days that followed the sudden appearance of the man at his door, Philip was taken to a laboratory and subjected to a battery of tests to determine his likely probability to predict events that were just about to occur. Uh, From the time Philip could speak, which according to the developmental charts, he did quite early. Philip spouted facts and figures related to possible probabilities and outcomes of the games that he engaged in with his peers. His teachers found him obnoxious. Now, not because he behaved badly or caused a ruckus, but related more to the kind of annoyance that can get under your skin when a know-it-all constantly mutters in the background like an announcer giving a play-by-play 
of an activity that no one is remotely interested in. Yet the facts that tumbled into Philip's mind with a fury and fell out of his mouth like a windstorm were indeed greatly fascinating to those who had a passion for testing human brain function. For years, scientists had been trying to determine just what makes Philip tick. His visits to Dr. Norton's office seem innocent enough, but there's something so strangely wild about this doctor that moves Philip into a highly agitated state. Through years of training and testing, Philip has learned to control the outward manifestation of his emotional responses, and he tries to mimic the normal, well-adjusted young boys that he has read about in adventure stories, seen on TV shows, and daydreams about becoming when no one is monitoring him or checking his heart rate. So there's a little example of a snapshot story. You get in and you tell the story and you get out. Now, snapshot fiction and nonfiction, it can be really therapeutic for the writer. It gives you an opportunity to write briefly. You address something that may have been upsetting or traumatic in some way. And this approach to telling the tale can bring out more of a reporting style. You know, finding... It helps you to find, you know, really, finding an angle. Find that angle. The one that can be told with brevity. And it can get you in and out with dropping, without dropping into the layers of emotion. So this approach can really help you to desensitize yourself to events that may be challenging to think about or to rub up against inside your mind. So in this way, using the snapshot storytelling, it can help you to separate impactful life events into smaller pieces. You know, smaller pieces that might be more manageable for your psyche to process. So you start your writing, perhaps focusing in on one specific detail, and then just rely on your subconscious mind to unravel the tale. And through the support of the unconscious mind, likely you'll feel a sense of relief. And this innate wisdom can assist you by unwinding the trauma from the places that it may be layered in the mental, emotional, and physical body. So here's another, uh, another piece that I uh, wrote in the class. It's mostly, um, it's mostly nonfiction. A little bit of it is, uh, is fictitious, but uh, mostly just the beginning. <laughs> And the prompt was uh, a statement that says, um, when I consider my life objectively, it doesn't seem particularly happy. In fact, the thought of it gives me a headache. Yeah, yeah, I'm one of those uh, trouble follows me everywhere. I'm floppy and sloppy and mopey and dopey all rolled into one. A calamity of errors a Murphy's Law activist. No matter how many times I make a vow to change things around, it's of no use. 
nothing changes. In fact, I've run out of reasons and excuses, and I've tried them all. I don't normally like to utter this word out loud, but cursed is the worst of all the words to describe all the mishaps that befall me. There was the time that I was charging up a steep outer staircase with a macaroni salad in my hands. This was my proud contribution to the potluck lunch. Well, as my luck would have it, I tripped two-thirds of the way up the stairs. Down I went, and up the little elbows of macaroni. Why, just last week I was mounting a piece of equipment in the gym. It was a hydraulic leg spreader. You sit on it and do a repetitive scissor-like motion. It helps to tighten your gluteus maximum muscles, you know, to firm up your butt. Well, for heaven's sakes, imagine my surprise when I find myself midstream, floating through the air, machine and all, down to the ground. The whole thing just flipped over on its side, like a horse whose legs were somehow kicked out from underneath itself. One rainy night in Vancouver, I was leaving a friend's house after a pleasant evening. Maybe it was the wine... Maybe it was the slick, smooth surfaces where the soles of my shoes met the edge of the stairs. One by one, bump, bump, thump, down to the bottom. Yes, on my bottom. I didn't really give it much thought at the time, and although it somewhat hurt, I did my best to regain my composure and once again say goodnight to my friend. Imagine my surprise to realize that my little spill on the stairs was going to leave a battle wound, and quite a noticeable one at that. In fact, one of my previous lovers affectionately named me Denty Bum, when the permanent indentation in my flesh was fully visible the first time we stood bare-bummed together. Wow, that really takes me back. Bare-bummed, bare-bummed in the classroom, standing in the corner. The teacher pulled down my pants, exposing my innocence, exposing the flesh on my young backside. She spanked me. Can you believe it? She spanked me right there in front of the whole nursery class. I'd say the punishment did not fit the crime. And on top of the laws of averages and Murphy's propensity for worst-case scenarios, it wasn't I who threw the fatal mat that landed dead center on the teacher's face. There was no way out of it. She zoned in on me and was not willing to be persuaded that one of the other children was the actual culprit. There is an example of this sort of short flash snapshot storytelling where I just started with a prompt. I had no idea what I was going to write, and all the way through I had no idea what I was going to write, just staying with each word as they were coming out, and it kind of unraveled this uh, this story of these little mishaps, which, you know, certainly came from the came from the prompt. You know, when I consider my life objectively, it doesn't seem particularly happy. And um, then rolling out this 
true story of something that happened that was traumatic when I was younger. Yet it all came out in a way with brevity and with um, with humor that was uh, entertaining, yet also really effective in being able to clear some things that the subconscious mind just brought to the surface. So it's a good, it's a good vehicle, a good vehicle for unearthing things as well. These little little snapshot stories. You know, and stories use metaphor and they use imagery to change the way we see our lives and the way we experience the world. And this can offer healing and growth to the story writer, to the storyteller, and also to the story listener. You know, some of you may have had experiences come to mind while I was reading the previous story. They may not have been specific details the same, but there may be, have been something in the tone or in the emotion or in the scenario that reminded you of something. So the listener also getting therapeutic value from it. Because stories connect us to each other. Some stories help us find meaning and hope in areas of our life that may seem like unending challenges or even dead ends. But you know, it's it's a common it's common to experience emotional changes while we're engaged in a book or a movie or a TV show. And for many people that's really the appeal. You know, while we follow the storyline, we feel excitement or sadness, contentment, or other emotions, really, these opportunities can be filled with the full spectrum of emotion that is possible. Now, it is a common myth, yet you always think that uncomfortable things happen to someone else. For example, accidents, serious illnesses, sudden death, tragic breakups, Yet all of these things happen to all of us. And in addition, these happen. Additionally, we all experience the life cycle celebrations. And and all of this makes up the real stories of human life. The stories represent the collective wisdom. The collective wisdom of experiences of everyone who's ever lived. And the purpose of storytelling is surely not just for pure entertainment. And it's not really about standing out from the crowd because you can create eloquent phrases. But the power behind the story is demonstrating that everyone experiences the same feelings. And these universal feelings are the common denominator, if you like, that connects people and often draws people together. And some people would suggest that writing is a healing art. And like all healing endeavors, there's a responsibility. And in the case of the storytelling, the responsibility really is to let people know that they are not alone. There's great therapeutic value when individuals understand that we are the same, that we are united by the drama and delight and the trauma and the triumph. 
of our human emotions. You know, this reminds me of something that I've heard uh, Byron Katie say again and again. And she says that there are no new stories. And if you really think about that, what's she trying to tell us? There are no new stories. Really, over the history of time, it has all been experienced and continues to be experienced again and again. You know, history repeating itself. Human emotion, whether it's elation or the depths of despair, none of it is really new. Certainly the names change, the faces change, the places change. But the stories are the same. The human story is the human story. And it's repeated again and again, person by person. The collective, the collective wisdom. And that's really what the stories represent. Now, a few years ago, while I was in Israel, I had the opportunity to see the Kenneth musicians in action at a was an international conference that was sponsored by Bet Izzy Shapiro. And the young adult performers, they were all people that were living with some type of diagnosed mental illness. And the musicians, they gathered together. So all the music and the lyrics were original pieces. And it was a collaboration of the talents of the musicians, the singers, and the poets. And for me, in a word, their music and their lyrics were inspiring. And all of the content touched on universal themes. You know, the emotions of human need, of love, of longing, of the joy of giving and receiving... And expressing that natural desire to fit in. That natural desire to feel like you belong in this world. And it was an extremely touching performance by what I considered exceptionally talented young adults. It wasn't about mental illness. The stories that were portrayed in their poems and song lyrics were the human story that we all share the stories of life that bind us together as people. Now, for some people, you know, reading snapshot stories is very fulfilling. And it's filling an important role in their ability to maintain their mental and emotional equilibrium. There's a single mother with two small children who works part-time who reports that reading a snapshot story can give her a much-needed break that she can't quite achieve otherwise. And even though she can't really explain it, during the five minutes, she can lose track of time, be briefly transported from her life, and then feel completely refreshed and ready for the next activity once she's finished reading the story. I'm going to share with you another piece from class. And the prompt with this was a a photograph of a snowman that was taken outside of a prison. 
And um, this is, um, uh, for the most part, this one is uh, nonfiction. It is inconceivable to me to consider the acts that might lead me to a place of incarceration. Yet at times, the mind can be its own prison, dictator of thoughts, attitudes, impressions, and the filter through which one reflects upon the world. It is a time of winter, as the snowman depicts, a natural time of hibernating. Fewer hours of daylight, long, dark months. We are in a cold spell, requiring that we bundle up our body parts and keep warm, jacking up the thermostat to maintain a comfortable level of body heat. A winter spell of inertia, laziness, and tendencies towards carving up and harboring up until the thaw of spring. Many people are shut in. They grow ashen from lack of light and limber. Many seniors and medically fragile people don't survive this season. I met a woman on the street yesterday. She was literally sitting in a snowbank on top of her tweed blanket waiting for passers-by to drop some coins into the styrofoam cups that were stacked too high in front of her. She was pleasant and dignified. I was struck by her presence as I walked from my vehicle down the street to my appointment. Her energy suspended in time, marking that precise moment in my day. On my way back from the appointment, I stopped and bought a coffee to warm me up on the ride home. As I walked towards my vehicle, again I noticed the woman sitting on top of her tweed blanket. We shared a smile from the place where our eyes met. As I approached her, I asked if she would like a hot cup of coffee. She declined letting me know that she doesn't drink coffee. Then I reached into my pocket and pulled out the change from my coffee purchase and cheerfully placed it into her styrofoam cups stacked too high. Even at a quick glance, I could see that my contribution tripled what was already lying cold as steel in her cup. Her gratitude was effervescent. She was overflowing with dignity and grace. That snowbank on that day was her place, her palace, where she looked out onto her kingdom. She was obviously a well-educated woman with great manners and eloquence in the way that she spoke both English and French to me. I was completely struck by her. The change from my coffee that I lovingly placed in her cup was scarcely enough for a hot meal. Yet the dignity that I received from her, and in turn extended back to her, was more than money could buy. It pleases me to carry a 
spark of delight from yesterday's encounter with the queen of the snowbank. Mm, I loved writing that piece and recalling my brief little encounter with this woman, the queen of the snowbank. And I'm sure in some way, on some day, each one of us have had an experience that kind of speaks to something similar in terms of an exchange. It can happen from a gesture. It can happen from a smile. It can happen from what happens when you lock eyes with someone else and what the energy that's passed between you. It was a beautiful little encounter. You know, the snapshot storytelling is, when you get down to it, it's simply just very short fiction and less commonly not non-fiction. And it consists of a complete story. So it has a beginning and a middle and an end and a very low word count. So these stories have all the required elements that are present in longer pieces. A plot, a narrative, characters, dialogue conflict, and resolution. But the basic difference is that you can read these little vignettes in a few minutes. So there's no room here really for lengthy descriptions of scenes or characters. And the stories often demand that the writer is concise. So you need to catch the characters in the middle of an action because that's what the word count allows for. It's similar to a photograph, if you like. You need to rely on the photograph to tell the story of the characters or scene that it is captured. So when reading snapshot stories, the readers often left drawing on their own conclusion, and that's part of the appeal, I suppose, for some in this type of story. So in a good piece of snapshot storytelling, the reader is necessary, it's needed. The reader's needed to add something important that will fill in that, the spaces between the words. And again, remember, telling and listening to stories, it can be a potent way to make sense of your life. So telling the stories, listening to the stories, and writing the stories, it can be very potent for you to kind of piece together things for yourself, to make sense of your life, to reflect and to integrate on things. So it's good to not under, uh, underestimate the power of the simplicity. And it's really a simple, a simple basic structure, a frame of reference, if you like, for telling a, a therapeutic snapshot story. First, you identify something that's out of balance, uh, either a situation or a behavior. You can find a metaphor which will appeal to those that the story is aimed at and will inspire a healing. Outlook the journey of the, the main character. You would do this with really short, very short and simply if you're writing for young children, and then it can be more complex. There can be more tension if it's for older audiences. And then there's always the resolution at the end, resolving the tension at the end. So it's good. 
You don't want to be fooled into thinking that, you know, um, simplistic writing or bare bones writing is less eloquent or beautiful. Sometimes beauty and inspiration or being awed can happen from encountering even the simplest of things. A moment, the way something strikes you, even catching something out of the corner of your eye can be can be moving, drawing your attention to something that you may have missed. Well, here's a uh, another piece that I um, that I wrote, and it came from a <laughs> the prompt. Um, this time was a simple phrase that said, "They are not actually chanting my name." And I sat for a moment and just waited. That's what I do. I sit and I wait. I get the prompt and I wait till something comes into my mind. They are not actually chanting my name. When I slowly approached, it sounded like a prayer and felt like a holy reverie. From outside the large structure, I could feel the reverence that this sacred ground commanded. As I slowly approached the building, I noticed that the group I was with seemed to be in a hurry compared to my slow pace. Something was calling me, drawing me, stirring me deep within. My instinct told me that this was holy ground. Entering, I was struck by the darkness. Then I noticed tiny white lights, row upon row, from floor to ceiling. And the sound, only somewhat perceptible from outside, parted my flesh as it sang deep within. It was indeed a holy prayer, a successive chant of the names, dates, and places of the children that perished in the Holocaust. I was in Jerusalem at the Yad Vashem Children's Memorial Site, which is on the same grounds as the Yad Vashem Holocaust Museum. I wanted to linger, as there was something so profoundly peaceful about this place, about this moment in time. I could hear the whispers of the children echoing from the past and reaching me as I stood there, transfixed by my experience. So much of what I had seen and felt in Israel left me speechless. True profound suffering has been so much a part of the history of this land. Yet more striking is the innovation, the propensity for excellence, the attention to detail the ways that the people of Israel have worked to restore the ruins of this land, one civilization layered upon another and another, digging down to unearth the past, to uncover the mysteries, and building up to restore ruins and display the stories that serve to educate generation after generation of people that make a pilgrimage to this holy land. I stood in the room where Jesus and the disciples gathered for the Last Supper, gazed down the hills from the top of Masada, peered in the dungeon where Jesus was imprisoned, walked 
the hidden tunnels under the wailing wall, and yes, stood at the wall, felt the energy, saw the thousands of prayer notes that are tucked between the crevices of the stones. They are not actually chanting my name. It's the whispers of the children, so clear, so vivid, exploding into filaments of light, expressing their gratitude for being heard, for being acknowledged, for sanctifying their life, their death, and the great mystery. There's a good example of a piece that can reach into you, reach into the past, and even reach into the future to find some kind of resolution for things that may normally seem like a dead end or too challenging or unresolvable. A little moment of peace. Now, Becky um, Touch is a, a writer who, like myself, is exploring and and loving the world of snapshot storytelling or flash, flash fiction, as it's also named. And she asked some writing experts to comment on the do's and don'ts of this form of story writing. So here's a, a little example of some of the inspiration that she gathered. Stacy Budsko, who's a writer and instructor of 10 Weeks, 10 Stories, she says, start at the flashpoint. By definition, flash begins at the moment of the conflict, when all the action is nearly complete. And then focus on the powerful images. So find one or more powerful image for your story and focus on that. And then hit them where it hurts. Go for an ending that offers an emotional impact. So I had a prompt here. It was a photo of a woman standing over a man who lay on a bed. Darling, I am at my wit's end. I don't know what to say or do. I've told you repeatedly and tried to show you how devoted I am to you. Yet somehow you still don't trust me. I surrender. I give up. And I can no longer continue relentlessly trying to prove to you that I love you completely and that I will never leave you. John, please don't give up on me. I'm so sorry. I know you love me. I know you will never leave me. But my past is always there haunting me, telling me you will betray me the same way that others have. Lola, please give it a rest. Come and lay here with me in the quiet. Come, darling, hush your worries. Hush your concerns. Lola has tried so many times to let men love her, tried so many times to trust in their care that she wants to experience that safety and the honesty of being with a man. Yet she is disturbed deep in her psyche. The abuse from her first husband haunts her every day of her life. 
Her reactions are reflexes that she just can't stop. Oh, she's tried therapy. She's tried hypnosis. She and John have even been to couples counseling. She even tried one of those fancy celebrity spas in Arizona that claims to help people let go of past hurts and humiliations. The goal has always been for her to allow herself to truly love and be loved. Yet the scars are layered, like the sedimentary rocks on the side of the highway. Layer upon layer of betrayal, accusations and humiliations. The scar tissue is always close to the surface, etched in her mind, in her flesh and in her bones. <laughs> Lola was a kind-hearted woman, a primary school teacher. Her tender voice and endless patience with the children made her a favorite, not only amongst the children, but her peers revered her also. She had a natural way of inspiring children to want to sit down and pay attention. Lola poured herself into her work, and the children were her healing salve, helping to build the confidence that she lacked in her home life, and restoring her faith in the beauty and innocence in the world. Through the excited, devoted eyes of a child, Lola felt safe. Lola felt cared for and loved beyond what she ever felt from her adult companions. She met John on a school outing to the Butterfly Museum. As the children gleefully danced around the exhibit, Lola noticed John out of the corner of her eye. He was looking intently at an unusual electric green jade flowering plant in the museum. She didn't much believe in life at first sight, that is, until she experienced it with John. Another little example of that snapshot story, dealing with all kinds of emotions there, trying to find resolution. <laughs> and emotions that we can all relate to in some way, at some time in our lives. A Grant Faulkner, he's the editor of A Hundred Word Story, says, I think of flash fiction as being one part story, one part poem. Plot matters less than mood and telling details, yet it does matter. I try to search for a subtle pivot, a surprising juxtaposition. I try to write to the drift of a story rather than in its grain. The joy of flash fiction as a writer and a reader is found not only in the words of the story, but in what is left out, the absences that can be almost spectral, haunting what's been told, only guessed at. Sometimes a short story is like playing the Ouija board. You have to settle for a small part of the story and let your imagination communicate with the other side to know the rest of it. Here's another piece of fiction that was based on um, a piece that uh, was read out. It's called Where She Has Gone. I am filled with remorse, filled with emptiness, filled with a longing for the fresh young face of my former self. I have made promises that I hadn't kept. I have shared longings with others, yet never 
Not ever. Not even once did I take action on behalf of myself to fulfill the dreams that lay buried in the heart of the young boy that I once was. Now, here I am, with this cascade of tears falling flat in the lap of the man that I have become. My heart still longs for things I longed for in my youth. Seldom have I ever dared to allow those broken thoughts to rise to the surface about my unrequited dreams. I have boarded up my heart, sectioned it off, and then auctioned it off like parcels of land to the highest bidder. I have let myself go. I have lazed into a complacency that knows no bounds. Flatlined until now, until here, until this very moment, this exact moment, with the light flooding into the church, come to rescue my desolate heart. This is a revival of self, a light unto the holy grail of my own being. I call out, I reach across the years. I make contact with the young boy that is I, the young man, handsome in his youth, flighty and cocksure, ready to take on the world, painting a future of whimsical fancy. I wanted to build a cathedral, one the world has never seen, by cobbling together the very best of all the ancient churches that I so revered the details etched in my heart throughout time, etched in a book in my mind. The images came to me slowly at first, and then with a robust urgency that seemed exhausting and exhilarating and, oh, so impetuous. Yet the craftsmanship of these mental images seemed to haunt me and taunt me, flaunting themselves at me as if, daring me to take notice and bring them to life, not just in my heart, not just in the sketchbook of my mind, but to build these images, to build the church of my dreams. I lay awakened many nights, just watching the pictures float in and out of my mind's view. I was possessed. In fact, for many years, I thought I'd go mad, I thought I would not be able to return to the stable normalcy of the mundane flow of daily life. Then I saw a vision that took my breath away. Gertrude, oh, my lovely Gertrude, she came offering her love, offering her loveliness. Yet little did I know she would be the trade-off. She would be the end of night visions and the beginning of my daytime tragedy. So there's a good example of that snapshot storytelling, that flash fiction that leaves you hanging and, and really begs for you to fill in the blanks of, of what it is that happens next. And just a couple little do's and don'ts here from Mark Budman, editor of Vestal Review, he says, do, he says, be concise. 
Remember to deliver your message. Make your prose intense. And suggest using prompts to hone your skills. And then on the don'ts, he says, don't go in circles. You don't have time or room for that. And don't try to wear too many hats. Maybe focusing on one or two things. And don't be afraid to experiment. And then he's suggesting that you forget. Forget that flash is a story and not a poem or an essay and just let yourself write. That's really what I have found to be the uh, most effective thing for myself because I don't, I guess in this experience, it, it's been a great opportunity to, to write these pieces in a, um, in a writing group because we're given a prompt, we're given 15 minutes to write and that's, uh, that's the beginning, middle and end of the exercise and then we read it out. So um, I have found that my best approach is to just sit sit with whatever the prompt is until something comes into my mind rather than trying to craft a story doing something that I'm sort of putting on to something. It's more of an idea of letting it rise from inside. And I find if I just stay with the words one at a time as they're coming to me, then my own conscious mind isn't really getting in the way and trying to uh, uh, piece it all together. So that's what I have found um, works for me. And... um, so far, so good. I'm really excited about it and, and happy to continue exploring this type of uh, this type of writing. You know, there can be great enjoyment, there can be great therapeutic benefit, and also respite available to people through writing, reading, or even telling these little snapshot stories. I'm going to trust that I've perked your interest in this approach to stories, and. Um, I encourage you, you know, the next time that you're in the middle of telling a story to someone, whatever the context, whatever the story is about, whether you're at work, at home, out socially, you know, uh, we're never too far away from someone that's telling some kind of a story about something, be it fact or be it fiction. Storytelling is going on around us all the time. But I encourage you to be mindful. You know, are you bogging bogging the event down with insignificant details that has your listener wondering when you're going to be finished or trying to figure out how they can walk away? Or are you going for the heart of the matter? So ask yourself that. And maybe midstream, <laughs> midstory, you may change your approach and, and, um, and find yourself going deeper. Or find yourself being able to develop develop a brevity and a a lightness and an enjoyment in the stories that you're sharing. You know, we all need stories. We need them. Our psyche needs that. And we we need them in terms of listening and also in terms of telling. Telling our tales, unwinding our life, so to speak. So you can use this approach to write things out of you. 
right things out of you that maybe you're not ready or even able to look at or to share any other way. Some of you may be prompted to find yourself a book of great snapshot stories and and uh, leave them by your bedside table or load up your electronic device with these little snippets of life that you can escape into the next time you need a quick getaway from the everyday. Snapshot storytelling is really, really, is fulfilling a great, a great need for the human psyche. And I encourage you to uh, let yourself drink of the great delights of this as a listener, as a reader, or as a writer. It's been a uh, pleasure to speak with you today about snapshot storytelling and to share some of these little stories. I'm, um, I'm a novice snapshot storyteller. And a novice fiction writer, yet I'm um, happy to explore this uh, this opportunity and to share it with you. And thanks for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. I am your ever grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith. And until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy life. hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.